and this was definitely a learning by being thrown in the deep end and not knowing how to swim experience because there was nothing, um, like I said, we, this was so out of left field. And I mean, I in a sense didn't even know what was actually going on with my husband because even that all came as a surprise. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating, talented, and inspiring guests who reflect on the adventures and challenges of aging and who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, writer, and fellow Zestful Ager. I want to invite you to my brand new free webinar, Zestful Aging, Here's How You Do It. You can sign up at NicoleChristina.com. And as always, I appreciate your feedback. Last week, we spoke with John Graham, the daredevil who scaled the north face of Mount Denali. It has not been done since. But now he works for his nonprofit called Giraffe Hero Project, and he's looking for heroes who are contributing to the overall good, and he looks all over the world at people of all ages. It's a fascinating interview. Check it out. And next week, we're going to speak with comedian Regina Stoops. Well, I have my Jack Russell Terrier Sparky right beside me and my coffee in my hand. So let's begin. Today we're speaking with Jincy Hines, who is the co-author of 365 Caregiving Tips series, which covers practical tips from everyday caregivers, travel, and respite hospitals, care facilities, and hospice. She's also the creator and editor of Before the Diagnosis, Stories of Life and Love Before Dementia, an anthology of stories by 36 authors, each about a relative they've known and loved before that person was diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia. And 90% of the profits from the sales of the book are donated to four nonprofit organizations that assist people with any type of dementia and their families. Welcome to the show, Jincy. Good morning. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, Nicole. I think maybe we can start with maybe the obvious question, and that is, how did you get interested in caregiving loved ones with Alzheimer's or dementia? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not so much that I got interested in it as it was, um, as often happens in the case of caregiving, it was sort of, I don't want to say thrust upon me, but it sprang up as a surprise out of nowhere, kind of like mm. a little weed that grows in your garden. <laughs> ah. um, my husband was 55 years old, and he and our son were out with another couple of adults checking out sites for um, our son's possible Eagle Scout project. Mm. Yeah. And on the way back from actually our son's junior high school, so it was really not that far from our house and pretty easy to get to, um, my husband got in the wrong lane and went to turn the wrong way. And our son had asked him, Dad, what are you doing? Where are you going? And oh, okay, he fixed it and corrected it. And then when they got home, I heard about it. And in all honesty, my first thought was, 
I frankly will admit I've done that. You're busy talking to your friends in the car, <laughs> and you're not paying attention to where you are, and you like miss your freeway off ramp. And I was like, oh yeah, I've totally done that. My husband's like, no, that's not what it was at all. I didn't know where I was. And I thought, okay. I mean, mm. he was, you know, he was in an area we'd been to hundreds of times since we'd moved here, not just because he was coming back from the junior high, but it was near the library where they have our concerts on the green, where we walk to numerous times in the summer to hear the concerts. You know, it was very, an area we'd been, it was nothing new. And he and was working at the time? He was. He uh -huh. was an engineer and mm -hmm. he was working full time and I had no indication there was a problem. He was um, having issues with his boss at work, but I thought it was a matter of what my husband was saying. His boss was a jerk. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I just thought, oh, well, okay. So about the same time, like I say, our son was in Boy Scouts and um, they were looking at a new scoutmaster, and my husband was going to possibly be the scoutmaster. And I said something about that to him. And he said, well, you know, I don't really know the kids' names. And I said, oh, well, you know this one and that one. And he's like, mm, okay. And I'm like, well, you know this one and this one. I'm, I'm like throwing names out. I'm like, these, some of these kids have been at our house for every Saturday for years for Cub Scouts. And he's like, okay. Mm. And I thought, well, that's weird, but okay. And I just said, well, you know. The next time you go to the doctor, this was October because he actually, he got lost on my, on my 49th birthday, he got lost and his birthday's in June. So I said, well, you know, the next time you go to the doctor, so I was thinking annual physical in June, mm -hmm. um, you know, you should talk to him about this or so he called me from work like another day or so later and said, oh, I'd like to go to the doctor. And I said, really? Why? Is this about that memory thing? I mean, I was not exactly, you know, a little bit of sympathy here. And he said, yeah. And I thought, oh, okay, whatever. You know, I mean, this is just really strange. So he went to the doctor, logically on his own. I mean, he's a grown man. Mm -hmm. And he came home and said, I um, am having an MRI on Friday. Well, mm -hmm. we were with an HMO at the time. It, you don't go from a doctor visit on Wednesday to the HM, to an MRI on Friday. Plus, I used to work for that HMO, so I knew. They he, flagged he was, it. Yeah, there was either, well, or there was a problem, or mm -hmm. he was dying. <laughs> there was a problem, there was a bigger problem. And the location he told me he was going to for the MRI did not give MRIs. So I called that one and said, oh, you know, my husband's coming in for an an MRI on Friday and but that appointment's really inconvenient for me to come I'd like to change the time and the woman said he's not coming in for an MRI I said sure he is he told me he is she said no he's coming in to see a neurologist he may or may not have an MRI I said oh okay we'll be there called a girlfriend and said hey I need you to pick our son up for school uh there's apparently something going on so we went to the doctor and it was interesting. It was a very old school doctor. He still carried like the black medical bag, in fact. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And he talked to us for you know, a bit and then said, okay, um, well, you're going to have to go through all these tests and, you know, they'll contact you about scheduling them. It may take a while. And then um, I'll see you back when all the tests are done. And it was just kind of like, okay. I'm thinking to myself, I have no clue of where, where this is even heading. Okay. Mm -hmm. And by the time we got home, it was probably a... 30, 40 minute drive home, um, there were already two messages on the answering machine about scheduling some of these tests. So for the next six weeks, my husband went through extensive testing. I pretty much joke it was everything except a colonoscopy. 
I mean, it was brain, heart, eyes, ears, blood, you know, cats. And, at, cat and at that point, what were you thinking? What was your theory? Did you feel like maybe they were overreacting or? Yeah, what? I had no I mean, idea. I mean, they really didn't give us any clue what it might be at that point, which was probably a good thing. <laughs> but I mean, it was just like, no, okay, this sounds crazy. And my husband started to have to come home from work more often, like during the day. And it was still like, just, and he couldn't really say what was going on. So after about six weeks in the beginning of December, uh, we went back to the doctor's office because everything was done. And my husband's doctor said, okay, well, you have a mild cognitive impairment. It may or may not progress to Alzheimer's. Um, you can pick up your prescriptions at the pharmacy and I'll see you in February. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Oh my goodness. And that was what we left there with. And I was thinking, what the heck did that doctor... I heard the word mild and I heard the word Alzheimer's. And to me, it was like, I am, this doesn't even make sense. I mean, you know, nothing this man has said really made sense. And I thought, I'm an intelligent person. Had you had experience with any other friends or family with memory loss at this, at this point? No, none at all. I see. Nothing. Okay. And you were in your forties. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I my husband was 55. And like I said, we had a son in, our son was actually only in junior high at the time. Mm -hmm. And so we went home and I don't think either one of us spoke. My husband was tired a lot, so he didn't talk. And I didn't speak for probably 35 minutes of this 40 minute drive and finally said mild. You know, he said mild and a cold is mild. This, this isn't that bad. This can't be that bad. And I think he had told us also that this could either st stabilize, get better or progress to Alzheimer's. And I thought at the time, well, you know, I don't want to ask for too much here. So I was like, okay, so we're going we're gonna to stay stable. That would be great. If we just stayed stable, this would be great. We just don't want to progress to Alzheimer's. And so we went home and my husband went to take a four-hour nap, which was something he did at the time. And I had no idea if this was normal, abnormal. I just kind of was going with the flow as much as possible. And I went online and um, tried to do some research. And the more research I did, the more I got confused. So I contacted with a local organization here in Orange County, California, Alzheimer's Orange County. And I mm -hmm. thought, oh, look, they have a class. I'm good at classes. <laughs> so I sent an email mm -hmm. and I realized much later that it's interesting that in the beginning, I think every time I would email and explain our situation, it was like I was pleading my case because I could hear the tone in my head as I typed the email. And it was, my husband's only 55. I'm only 49. We have a son in junior high. Mm, this Obviously. can't be us. Yeah, yeah, this is completely wrong. Obviously, Somebody tell me, wrong. somebody tell me this isn't right. Yes, yes. And instead, the woman really nicely wrote back and said, oh, that's great. Here's our class. And it's this is when it'll start. And I'll let you know to come. And I thought, she's still confused. No. Okay. And she sent me all this information. And I learned that dementia is this umbrella term and everything falls under it like, uh, like Alzheimer's or Lewy body dementia or frontal temporal dementia, or vascular dementia, and a whole bunch of other things. And it's like they say, well, you wouldn't leave your doctor's office with just the diagnosis of you have cancer. You would leave it with the diagnosis of you have breast cancer, colon cancer, or some other terrible cancer. So with this, it's not just you have dementia. It needs to be more of a focused diagnosis. Okay, well, we have this MCI, and I still kept going mild. I say my colds are mild and we get over them. What's the big deal? So we went to, well, that's still in December though. 
Um, my husband worked for a large employer here in Orange County with amusement park rides. And his um, job was involving those rides and the safety. So mm. they did they did nothing. The company, the employer did nothing wrong. I want to make that clear. They had to put him out on disability because, I mean, seriously, I wouldn't want to know that someone had worked on my ride who had a cognitive problem. Oh, you know, they had to do the, they did the right thing. But all of a sudden at 55, we're being told, oh, your husband's on disability. And it's like, wait, I had to call the doctor and say, wait, what happened? My husband's employer told us we're on disability. And he said, oh, yeah, that happens. Just bring in the paperwork. And we filled it out. But and nobody was helping you through this process. It sounds like there were just a lot of surprises and questions and confusion. Oh, absolutely. And this was definitely a learning by being thrown in the deep end and not knowing how to swim experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there was nothing. Um, like I said, we this was so out of left field. And I mean, I in a sense didn't even know what was actually going on with my husband because even that all came as a surprise. And for a long time, when we would go to doctor's appointments, I would, the doctor would say, oh, are you having this problem? And I would, had gotten to the point sometimes where I'd answer for him and I'd say no. And he'd say, oh yes, I'm having this and that. And I'd look at him and I'd go, what, are, really? You know? oh. It was funny because prior to this, we would joke that, um, this happened in 2009. So we had been married 19 years. And if something happened that was unexpected, you know, I would look at my husband and say, 19 years, we have married 19 years. It's the first time I'm hearing this. Or I'd say, oh, ha ha, mm. this is why marriages last so long, because you're always learning something new about oh, your spouse. Oh, my goodness. Except now I was learning it in the doctor's office frequently. And it was, I did not like that. I didn't like that. Not that there was anything I could do about it, but it's like, how embarrassing. You know, you're sitting right there and they're uh, saying, oh, do you do this? And you're like, no, he doesn't. He's like, yeah, I do. Oh, I, my goodness. Do? Yeah. So... When we went to this first class, it was a class for both of us. Like, so like we stayed together, you stayed together at the first part of the class and then they separated you out into the person with the illness and their caregiver. And everybody's going around and introducing themselves. And I'd say for the most part, I had kept things together, you know, really kept everything inside. And holy mackerel, they get to me and I just burst into tears. And I'm like, oh. I'm not supposed to be here. And this is what's going on. And they're like, yeah, we all feel that way in the beginning. This is what <laughs> and I was still mm. surprised. I remember fighting um, it. Yeah, fighting it. Yeah. And my husband only wanted people to know on a need to know basis. Of course, I mean, it's mm. kind of, I don't want to say embarrassing, but and like with so many illnesses, you know, there's a stigma. And in this case, you shouldn't be 55, you should be 85. Uh, not 55. So he didn't want people to know. But I also, like I say, still had that issue of a child in junior high, so he couldn't drive. And what if something happened? I mean, I didn't even know what to expect as the what could mm -hmm, happen. Just mm -hmm. what if something happened? Were so, you, Jinsu, were you working outside the home while this was going on? In a way, it's fortunate. I was not. But okay. yeah, what had happened was um, when our, I had I had gotten my bachelor's in finance and went right to work out of college and got a master's degree in business. And then when I was pregnant, I um, said, well, you know, I had, or actually we had already discussed that I would be a stay at home mom for at least several years. And then, you know, it worked out well for us. So I stayed home. And about the time I was thinking, oh, I should go back to work. I see. My mom died oh. and that my dad had health problems. <laughs> so he came to live with us and I was like, oh, I don't, I guess I shouldn't go back to work quite yet because, mm. you know, like my mm. dog, like I say, he had health problems. And mm. so 
He passed away 25 months after my mom. He lived with us for a few of those months and then lived on his own because he wanted his independence um, about 10 minutes away. And it was a month after he passed away that my husband got lost. Oh, my goodness. So you talk about the sandwich generation. Yeah. You're doing both sides. Yeah. Yes. And so, taking care of your boy. Yes. So he, so he passes away. My husband gets diagnosed. And like I said, my husband's like, oh, people should know on a need-to-know basis. And I thought, well, I need my neighbor to know in case, because that's who I would go to first if there was an emergency in the middle of the night. So I made sure they knew. And I wanted people to kind of watch out for him, you know, to see, did he do something unsafe? You know, was something going on I should know about? So we about two or three classes in for this class we were taking, the woman says to us, I want to talk to the two of you after. And honestly, my thought was, oh, she's finally realized we don't belong here. <laughs> this is great news. And she looks at the two of us and she says, I want to tell you your husband's depressed. And I looked at my husband and said, you're depressed? And he said, I'm depressed? And I said, you're depressed? And she uh, said, he's depressed. Well, now, in all honesty, everything felt like a crisis mode. And I went, oh, my God, should I stop at the hospital on the way home? And she's like, why would you do that? I'm like, because he's depressed. And I don't know. I, I don't know. Is mm -hmm. he going to do something? Should I stop? And she's mm -hmm. like, no, just get him to an appointment to, in to see the doctor. So in that week, um, he had had seven different appointments by this mm -hmm. point. And I finally, at that point, when the when the primary care physician said, now he needs to see a psychologist, I called the insurance company and said, walking distance. He needs something within walking distance. I can't mm. keep doing seven appointments a week. I just oh, can't do this. Goodness. So the first psychologist was a woman within walking distance. And the fact that she was within walking distance met my requirements. Because <laughs> 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 again, I thought, you pick a psychologist. I don't, I, you know, this was really all foreign territory to me. But I was startled and I, I went, I contacted the woman who had said, your husband's depressed and said, how did you know? And she said, he lost the sparkle in his eyes. And I said, oh my gosh, I have been talking to doctors and telling them, or, you know, that he's lost the sparkle in his eyes. And she said, yeah, that's kind of, that's, that was kind of a sign to her of um, depression. And I said, I've been saying these exact words to doctors for months. Uh -huh. And they just kind of look at me like, and it's not raining out, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, so once we got involved with Alzheimer's Orange County, then we went to a university and put him into a study there. So every year we go to this to, to this university, which includes him in their study, and they check everything you could possibly imagine. And I honestly think to myself sometimes, I'm not sure I would pass the tests either. I mean, uh, the type where they give you like the list of things and you give the list back or they give you a story with great detail and you're supposed to, I guess to get a hundred percent, you would give the story back exactly the way they told it to you with all this detail. Uh -huh. But one time my husband said, I don't like that story. So I'm only going to learn the first two sentences they tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, fortunately he has remained relatively stable. Oh, but that about a year after his diagnosis, um, we got the less than wonderful news that um, since he couldn't go back to work because his employer would talk to us every month, you know, how is it doing? Can he come mm. back to work? And that's like saying, you know, you chopped your leg off. How is your leg? Is it, has it regrown yet? You know, mm. no, this isn't mm. going to change. And after a year, since he couldn't go back to work, he had to retire. This was his dream job. 
he was already depressed. Mm. I was like, oh my gosh, what happens now? Mm. So nothing worse happened, thankfully. I made a, um, I tried to make it as positive as possible. I contacted every friend and family member I could think of and said, hey, he's retiring. Can you send him a card? So I kept all the cards. And then the day of his quote retirement, I had presented him among other things with a basket of cards and made it like a retirement party. Like it was some wonderful positive thing. When in all honesty, even, you know, this many years in, um, he'd like nothing more than to go back to work full time. Oh, it was such a loss. Yes, yes. I mean, it's wonderful because I've discovered my husband has artistic talents and he can paint and he can draw and he can weld and make things that look like something, not just some weird blob like mine probably would. <laughs> but it's so, you know, there's there are these mm. hidden things, but that's not what he wants to be doing. What an adjustment. Yes, yes. It's It's been really something. Um, you know, sometimes it's some things are better than others, of course, like anything in life. Uh, we go through good times, we go through harder challenges, the depression has waxed and waned. Um, you know, the health has been good, we've had, you know, some little issues, uh, you know, then we add other things that you might add anyway, like, oh, I don't know, plantar fasciitis and COPD. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like, are you kidding? But it, it is interesting, because like on the COPD, they said he's borderline, but with his other health problems. Yes, mm. he's getting a CPAP machine. And at first, you're thinking, Oh, my stars, we're gonna add that now. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, so and it's mostly fallen on you to sort of coordinate all of this. You're yes. his, like, yes. you're his caseworker. I'm his everything. You know, I am the one that makes sure uh, everything is taken care of, that he gets the medical supplies for the CPAP, that follow-up appointments are made, that he gets his prescriptions, that he takes his prescriptions. I mean, I do all of that. Um, you know, but what's nice is that through this, we have made new friends. We have had experiences we would never have had otherwise. Um, and I have definitely tried new things and, you know, been asked to do new things and said yes, probably sometimes more than I should. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so it's opened a lot of doors. It's mm -hmm. kind of truly that when one door closes, another one opens. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I heard that the rest, there's more to that statement. It's actually when one door opens, another one closes, but, and it's something to the effect that, but we're so busy looking in the direction of the closed door that we don't see the other one. Ah, uh, yeah, I and, can, I can imagine. Yeah. So that's, I think that's t very true. So yeah, I mean, so time has gone on. I mean, we have to make what I'll call accommodations sometimes. Um, our son's actually in law school in another state now. And he and I were making a brief trip to Washington, D.C. last year. I mean, left on Thursday, returned on Saturday. This is brief from California. Mm -hmm. So, but on Wednesday, what we did was I had made plans in advance with my husband's brother and sister-in-law that he could stay with them while we were gone because he really can't stay by himself for three I days. See. It's not that anything's going to happen. It's just that you want to make it as easy as possible. So it's a lot of work um, and there's a lot of, I mean, you're just always thinking about his care. That's very true. Yeah. I mean, I'm always, mm -hmm. you know, I can make plans to do something, but it, if it's with him, it may not happen because if he's mm -hmm. really tired that day, he gets tired a lot. I don't know how it relates to everything. All I know is my husband gets tired a lot, mm -hmm. like three hour naps after sleeping 10 hours at night. 
Wow. Yeah, it's really crazy. So sometimes you think, oh, it would be great if we could go take a walk on the beach today. Mm -hmm. And but if he's having, you know, a really rough day, then I don't want to say something because I don't want him to feel bad. Yeah. So I was thinking about the only thing I make sure I do, even if he at the last minute doesn't want to do it, is we have friends in the, the next housing tract. And every year they have a little open house at Christmas time. And that's as bad as it sounds, that's the one thing I will say, I'm going to this. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't want to come, it's okay, but I'm going to right. this event. So, and he's fine with it if he doesn't feel up to it. And if he feels up to it, sometimes it means we only stay maybe 30 or 45 minutes because the crowds or the noise or the activity is sometimes just too much for him. What has it been like for your son? How do you talk to your son about this and how does he relate to his dad? He, um, we, I guess I'd say we use a lot of humor in this family. Mm -hmm. So we tend to joke about it. Um, he relates to his dad in a more joking, less serious way. And that seems to work well for both of them. But I'm again, the primary point of contact. And then I disseminate the information. Mm -hmm. And I mean, sometimes like we were having a FaceTiming with our son one day and he was saying something about an interview coming up that he had that week. And that was towards the beginning of the conversation. So later I said something about, oh, good luck on Thursday. And my husband says, well, what's happening Thursday? And I, mm. you know, I could, but, and I said, just mm. said, well, dad, I have that interview. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. You probably told me that, but that's right. So, and I know that we're fortunate because Steve has remained relatively stable, mm -hmm. but you know, there are, it's, it's not what it would have been, let's say 15 years ago for lack of a better way to put it. This is not what you would expect of a 64-year-old man. Mm -hmm. um, like I say, the three-hour naps are kind of a clue to us there. And mm -hmm. so we just kind of roll with it as best we can. You know, um, there are certain things that are non-negotiables. I tell my husband, you have to be at this. Uh, when our son graduated from college this last spring, okay, they're going to have a baccalaureate service one evening. That's optional mm -hmm. for him. Now, I mm -hmm. went. And we were fortunate because our son lived at home and we, so we, it was an easy driving distance to his college. And, but it was like, but you have to be at this event on a Friday night. You have to be at this event on a Saturday morning. So that means we're going to structure the week leading up to it. So it's not too crazy, not too busy, not too many activities going on. Boy, just, it reminds me of parenting a young child. Like yeah. that's his nap time and we have to make sure he doesn't get too hungry. I mean, it's like you're always it's you're always parenting. Yeah, it's interesting too because a lot of times like if I asked you, Nicole, are you hungry? You could honestly say yes or no, right? Mm -hmm. Or oh, maybe I could eat a little. But sometimes the answer is I don't know from him. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't tell if he's hungry or not, mm -hmm. so it's kind of like okay, well, here you go. Here's a snack. You know, I'm just going to make a decision. Here's a snack or it's time to eat or here's what we're mm. doing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, or even simple things like um, packing for a trip. Like if we make an overnight trip to Arizona to see our son there and it'll be like, okay, let's see what you're taking. Oh, well, we have to remember this, 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 and that. And I always carry his medications through uh, security. I've always figured if there's ever a question, he cannot answer it. Uh -huh. So I stock, you know, my backpack includes every medication he takes, all the paperwork for each medication, you know, all of that sort of information. Kind right. of like, hi, this is what we have. It's in there. But there's never been a question, fortunately. But I always feel like I don't want to put that on him if there is. Mm -hmm. 
Hey, are you familiar with the the expression decision fatigue? Yes, I am. Uh-huh. Yes. And I'm wondering, you know, as you're going through this, just that your brain is working overtime to make sure things are organized. Sounds like you're really good at it. You're always thinking ahead, what he's going to need, what's going to, you know, what's going to work with time and nap and food. How do you take care of yourself with this burden? Well, I try to, um, I try to get out like for lunch with friends or coffee with friends, Mm -hmm. which is nice. I mean, I will reach out sometimes, but I also have people who reach out to me and say, Hey, do you want to do this? A friend of mine sent an email yesterday and said, Ooh, look, I have a 20% off coupon that expires Mm -hmm. in a week. Will you go to lunch first? Ah, yeah. It's like, okay, I can Mm -hmm. do that. Um, I, Sometimes I think I'm almost a slow learner because it took until last year in January to figure out that while we think, oh, yeah, I need to stop and I need to take a break, I really didn't most days. And one of the things I missed was reading for pleasure. Mm -hmm. So last year in January, I finally set a reminder in my phone that goes off at the same time every day. And all it says is take a 30 minute break. All in caps. Wow. wow. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So sometimes I don't get to the break, but I still remember, oh, I get a break someday or sometime. And I don't always take it when it's scheduled, so to speak, or when, I, when the reminder pops up. But in that time, I might uh, go for a walk or I might take a nap, short one, or I might read a book or putter in the garden. But I try to make sure that I at least do that. And I've learned that helps a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I've also learned too that information overload happens. I mean, you can research this stuff till you're blue in the face and, you know, there are changes, there are good changes. There are changes that, you know, yet again, another clinical trial with an Alzheimer's drug failed. Um, but after a while it's like, oh my gosh, I really can't hear one more thing or learn one more thing or read one more thing. Mm -hmm. And it's fine to take that break. You know, there is no harm in it. And Mm. it's, interesting because I've also learned I don't have to be productive every minute. I, you know, always feel busy, like I'm doing something, but you know, it's okay not to be. Because one day someone said, oh, what did you do? It was a rainy day. Well, we've had a lot of those in Southern California this year, which is good. But it was like, I read a book. I did nothing for the whole afternoon and read a book. But it was like, wow, this is a big deal. Because even going into the evening, my mind is, you know, like you say, worrying along about okay, did I do this? Did I do that? Oh, I, I need to update the medication list. I need to make sure that I've got the CPAP supplies. And interestingly, with this schedule or with this life that I have now, it's kind of going to be funny to hear, but I did go back to work. Mm-hmm. I've actually gone to work part-time because I, I thought I can only work part-time. You, I, could you imagine going to an employer in seven times no. in one week saying, I need this time off? No. They'd be saying, well, don't worry. We're going to give you a lot of time <laughs> off because you don't work here anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I got a job for one of the local community college districts as adjunct faculty. I feel like that's so exciting. And uh, Mm. I teach a class they call uh, uh, senior topics. And I had already started teaching a class as a volunteer at the local senior center. I created this class and I called it uh, Keep Your Brain Buff. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. And the little logo originally was a, like a little brain doing weightlifting. <laughs> mm. And we would do some like trivia and I would give them a lot of information on the brain. And when I got the job with the school district, I was originally teaching in like residential um, Alzheimer's facilities and things like that. 
And I noticed that at the senior center where I volunteered, there were a lot of classes under this school district and maybe mine could get moved that way. So I went and spoke to someone at the senior center who spoke to my boss at the school district. And by two days later, it was like, oh, goody, I'm now getting paid for my class. This is fun. Lovely. So yeah, so we now call it um, Games for Brains because you'll laugh, but the seniors didn't really want that much education. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, so I do games with them now and lots of games. But one thing I've learned is do not make them competitive because it doesn't matter what their age is. They (gasps) are competitive. Like, oh my goodness. Yes, I've suggested funny. like, oh, you could, we could play Scrabble without keeping score. You oh. would have thought I said, give me your right arm. <laughs> oh that, my gosh. Yes. Or one day I was playing like a modified family feud with one half of the room against the other half. Yeah. And one person didn't like a decision I made about a rule. Oh. And well, I'm not playing again and got up and walked out. And I'm like, okay, this is nuts. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, feisty. Yes, yes. So I always make sure, oh, no, no, this isn't competitive. We're not competing. No, no, no. You know, it's all. That's so funny. You've also spoken on panels of the Southern California Alzheimer's disease. Their conferences. Is that right? Yes, it is. My husband and I, actually, um, we have been fortunate to be on two panel discussions with other people with the disease in various stages and their spouse. Well, not too far along in the stages because, you know, they have to be able to present themselves at this conference. Sure. Yes. So there was this one woman who would put together that part of it and she was amazing. We would start getting together in like early August and we'd meet at a restaurant and she would take notes on all of us and get to know all of us. And then by the end, before the actual event, you would have a script in your hand with these questions that you'd been asked by now probably two dozen times, and there were questions you could answer anyway. But in case you forgot what you were going to say, you even had a script of what you were going to say. It was so well, so well organized. Organized. Yeah. And then I did another uh, panel discussion last year with some other caregivers that was put together by our local assembly woman. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So are there any time, because we'll talk in a moment about uh, 365 caregiving tip series, but are there any times you just have to do something silly. I mean, you say you read for pleasure, but to really just lately, I've been looking on Netflix for the the um, comedy series. <laughs> that's just like that's, a, that's at the end of the day. That's kind of what I'm in the mood for. So I've just been on this uh, streak of looking for comics that I think are clever and. Um, interesting, you know, it, 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 do you ever just have to seek out silliness and playfulness and take a break from this? I do. I do. And it's, I I tell people, you know, I have a supply of, you know, Play-Doh bubbles, you know, to go outside and blow bubbles. Mm -hmm. Um, I still have my Etch-A-Sketch from way back when, although I have to tell you, I can make like straight lines and squirrely lines, you know, Etch-A-Sketch stuff. My husband made an actual picture on it once since this disease. It's like, how did you do that. Um, And yes, my my preferred TV viewing, if I'm doing any, is more towards the the sitcoms on television, even, Mm. you know, not too terribly stupid, but you know, some of the ones are like, oh yeah, that's pretty good. Or the ones you've been watching for a long time anyway, and now you have to know what happens with these people. (laughs) Sure, sure. It's just like visiting with your buddies. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I have to admit, I try not to miss um, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR on oh, the weekends. Oh, that's, yeah, that's 
fantastic that's just the kind of thing you know and yes. they're silly and they're clever and it's entertaining but you don't feel like you're eating cotton candy you know right or you know learning the latest thing of what some country has done you know yeah or or our country i know um, <laughs> so tell me a little bit about uh the 365 caregiving tip series how oh, did that come about well um actually what's really interesting is the, I wrote those books with four other caregivers and we all met online and one of them, Trish, one day said, oh, you know, we all have these tips and the ideas and what if we all, you know, shared our ideas and, and wrote a book and we all went, okay, sure. Why mm -hmm. not? Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> we could do this. So we sent Trish, the other four of us, oh, Trish, who by the way, will deny that she is really the one who spearheaded this, but the truth is she did. Mm. Uh, <laughs> So we sent in, you know, sent our tips and she used lulu.com and she published our first book, uh, which is 365 caregiving tips, practical tips from everyday caregivers. And it has tips on, you know, a whole bunch of, it's very general, a whole bunch of things that relate to caregiving. And it does include things like self-care and letting yourself laugh and, you know, having a good time and things like that. Mm -hmm. And the caregivers that write the book, there's me, and I'm here in Southern California. There's Trish and her husband, Richard, and they're up in Sacramento, and they're both caregivers. Uh, there's Kathy in Arkansas, and her husband has passed away. And there's Peggy in North Carolina. I was thinking North or South. I think it's North. And uh, her husband has also passed away. And in all honesty, I have never met Peggy in person. <laughs> so we've been doing this for a few years and I have yet to meet Peggy in person. <laughs> ah, the wonder of the internet. Yes, it's, it is amazing. That is really amazing. Mm -hmm. And so we followed that book up with a second book, which was um, Travel and Respite. Because mm -hmm. as you say, you know, taking that break is so important and traveling can still be done no matter what your, your person's illness is or diagnosis but it takes some um, knowledge to do it. And I should say also too, that um, while my husband has mild cognitive impairment, uh, Kathy's husband had Lewy body dementia. Mm. Uh, Trisha's husband, Richard, who yes, is one of the co-authors. He uh, was hit by a drunk driver and has uh, pain issues and his mother has heart issues. And Trisha's brother who has epilepsy lives with them. And Peggy's husband had a variety of health problems. So we cover a lot of different things. It's not just uh, Alzheimer's specific, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And then our mm -hmm. third book is the hospitals, care facilities, and hospice. Mm -hmm. So it's in a sense the least pleasant, but those are still areas where if you're in the throes of them, you need advice and suggestions. Absolutely. Oh, that sounds so helpful. Oh, yeah. And we, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback on the books and we've been excited to get some of them into some libraries even so people can check them out, you know, and mm -hmm. just borrow the book and get what you need out of it. Because we are all about, you know, trying to get the information out there to other caregivers. Where can our listeners find you, Jincy? Where's a good place for them to learn more? We have, we do have a website. Of, okay. Yes. It's 365caregivingtips.com. Okay. Yes. And we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And then I'm also personally on, well, all three of those as well. <laughs> okay. So they can find your work 
um, through 365caregivingtips.com. And do you also have your own website then? I don't have my own website, mm-hmm. but um, and our, the books are all available also on you know Amazon and Lulu. Which so excited to, when you first get on Amazon, you really feel like you've arrived in the state. That's right. That's that's right. <laughs> yes, but, yes. But I can be connected with through those things, and um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. I'm just Jincy Hines. Okay. Yes, and on. Um, Facebook, I'm a capital G hyphen small J. Don't ask me why. Heinz. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I will look at look at that. Jincy, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us today. I think that many people know somebody or will be knowing somebody who's going to be on a, you know, a roughly similar journey and just hearing your experiences is just extremely validating. Um, And I'm going to put this up in the program notes, the 365 caregiving tips, so people can find out more. I think it's a wonderful resource. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me here today. This has really been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. And next week, we're going to speak with comedian Regina Stoops. She's from a town in the Midwest called Normal, but she says she's anything but... Regina's humor centers around her numerous coming out experiences. Prepare to laugh at her really sweet humor and be touched by her powerful stories of resilience. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. You will get access to exclusive bonuses and you will be part of the Zestful Aging community. Keep us going strong. Go to patreon.com slash zestful aging. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.